You, you can holler, you can applaud, you can scream, you can do anything you want. I can't hear you anyway. <laughs> Welcome to the Salt Lake Dirt Podcast. I'm your host, Kyler Bingham. Today on the show, we have author Liska Jacobs, author of the novels Catalina and The Worst Kind of Want. Um, first one came out in 2017, the second one last year. These are two of my favorite books that I've read in recent memory. I was really excited to talk to Liska. Definitely one of my favorite authors of I don't even know how long. So it was a real treat to talk to her. Without further ado, let's talk to Liska Jacobs. Yay. Sorry about that. No, I started I, thinking maybe everybody does Zoom meetings at six o'clock. <laughs> I hate, I, I don't know about you, but I am like, I am done with, with Zoom. <laughs> I it's, don't know. it's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I use it every day. So that's why I was like, what is going on? <laughs> I, yeah, I had a meeting earlier today with UCLA Extension, and I was like, I don't, it, it just seems all of a sudden very antiquated already, you know? Well, I mean, I don't know if you were in the, like, the misfortune of being in, in a, in Zoom calls where you have, like, 15, 20 people, and it's just, it, it's a way, it's a waste. I don't know why we even try to fool ourselves. I know, <laughs> I know, I know. Well, I'm going to be teaching, uh, like, a writing workshop using, and oh, it was nice. going to be on campus. But now yeah. it's going to be on Zoom, so it's just going to be, you know, twelve people sitting in a Zoom room. Yeah, I guess. Well, I saw. Yeah, I saw the email there, so I was going to ask you that. You're, so you're teaching um, over there at the extension program? Yeah, yeah. Nice. My first time. Yeah, I'll be teaching novel one in the fall, which I mean, it'll be unlike what I imagined, which was because right. I, I used to go to. Oh, that's me. Sorry, let me turn that off. I used to be a student um, at UCLA Extension. Um, God, maybe over a decade ago. Okay. So I was all excited to return, you know, and nice. teach a workshop. Well, yeah, I, I mean, it's a small world because, um, I mean, you know, Tony Duchesne, he's the one, he teaches over yeah. there. And he's the one who yeah, told yeah, me about yeah. Catalina a few years ago. So we're good friends. Oh, really? He's like, you have to read Catalina. <laughs> and, then, and then I interviewed uh, Stephen J. Schwartz last night. Um, and so he, he was, he was like, going off on you, like, in a good way. He was talking <laughs> oh. about, he said that... Um, that he like I asked him what do you um if you're kind of stuck with writing like what do you what do you do and he's like well I read a few different things I read I'll read Bukowski I'll read Fight Club again and then I read this book called Catalina by Liska Jacobs what <laughs> so, yeah that's what he said he's like for character development I'm like I know it's not the best it's such a great book so wow yeah they that's love it very flattering I mean yeah, Stephen and I were he read he was in Todd's Todd Goldberg um he was our instructor at UCR Palm Desert Low Residency Program, and Stephen was in that class with me. So he read like a very early draft of Catalina, actually, or an excerpt of it, anyways. Right. That yeah, that's what he was telling me. That's so cool. Well, that's yeah. that's sweet. You're you're going to be teaching there. That's a that'll be. Fun. I mean, unfortunate like the online thing, but you know, hopefully. Oh my God, it's crazy. I mean, because you have to take the basically your entire course, and writing is already sort of something that's difficult to teach or talk about. Sure. So to then take that and put it into a computer and try to like, like me trying to explain to the guy who sets up Canvas how a writing workshop usually goes. He was like, but what assignments do they turn in? And I'm like, that's not really, 
he was like, well, what about, you know, like the midterm? And I was like, no, there's not, that's not really the same. (laughs) (laughs) There's no midterm. Yeah, that's a challenge. I I use Canvas. I'm a high school teacher, so I I use Canvas. Uh, I I use, like last term when we went on online, I really kind of hit the module tab pretty hard. So I had stuff laid out so that you don't have to have assignments in there. You can just have little exercises yeah. or articles. Or that's, that's what he was showing me today. And I was like, oh my God, this is going to be a lot more work than I thought it was going to yeah. be. <laughs> it's, uh, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a, I, I've always respected teachers, but after learning a little bit about Canvas in one week, I'm just like, well, no one gets paid enough. This is just... <laughs> oh, no, no, absolutely not. Ludicrous. <laughs> Well, um, thanks for thanks for talking to me. I mean, I've I've read both books. I read both the books. Um, oh, there they are. Yeah, That's I've read so cool. I've read Catalina twice. Oh. Um, and then I've read this one. Yeah, I was kind of want, and then I read Lolita immediately after <laughs> this. Um, and it was it funny. Was heavily I, inspired. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then I didn't know that after I read it, and then I heard an interview with you, and you were talking about that. So. Uh, yeah, very early on, that was my pitch to my editor was I wanted to do like a, rever- a reverse Lolita. And she was like, sold. And then I started writing it. And I was like, well, it doesn't really work the same. But right, yeah. I, so I had I had to give the character more motivations than, you know, yeah. Hubert Hubert has in, in Lolita. He, yeah. She couldn't just be a pervert. You know, no one would have... <laughs> Well, that just, just wasn't gonna sail. <laughs> I think like what what I love about your writing, especially in the in the in the most recent book, is how you know you're you're totally in it with her with the with the main character, and how just like because we've all made bad decisions, and so how oh, she yeah. how she gradually gets to where she gets. Because when you hear about something like that or anything yeah. else, it's like how does anyone get in that position? And then you read it, and you're and you're like, oh shit, like. I don't like how, how. Feel, I don't like how I'm feeling right now. I don't like this. <laughs> I can... Hey, yeah, what, yeah. One of my um sort of I guess ways of approaching the book that the worst kind of want was reactions to Catalina and Elsa and Catalina. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a couple like reviews that were saying that Elsa was what did they call her? They called her um not slutty, promiscuous. That's what it was. And I thought, okay. do we still call girls or women promiscuous? Like, is that still something that, and also hold my beer. I'll show you promiscuity. <laughs> right. Only, I mean, only if you want to shame somebody. I mean, I haven't exactly, yeah. hear that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also the, I've, I'll, I take into task the idea of an unlikable female character. Um, and I wrote Elsa specifically to be a difficult character to love, but mm. Scylla, I wanted her to be a responsible good daughter and a good sister but also show that that can also be problematic right there's really no easy way to be a woman i guess is is yeah. what i've drunk my conclusion from both of those books is, well, is there's it, no right way <laughs> yeah i mean it's pretty i mean from a male perspective i love reading stuff like this because it's just a you know we'll never know how it, how it feels to swap places but it's like oh my god i mean this is as best as it can be done as far as far as that goes well it's funny i had uh i i can't even remember who some, some male reader um of my like an early reader had read some pages and a friend of mine and he was like well i actually had a a relationship with an older woman so i really related to donato and i was like well i'm sorry about that. I, I didn't mean to trigger anything i, I apologize oh wow that's the case yeah isn't that's- that funny yeah, no, that's funny that uh, that he was that he shared that with you. <laughs> I think I would keep take that to the. Oh, you know what? That was that was a radio show. 
actually. Oh, wow. So yeah, yeah, that's out there in the world. He, so it's out there. Yeah, yeah. I'm not spilling the beans then. You can look yeah. that up. That, okay, somebody I'll told me that. <laughs> I'll check that out. Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you, I think like, so from these two books and then, I, and then I've got a little bit of wind of um, the one you're working on right now. Um, it sounds like you you have the coolest research for novels. Like you have like, these destination places. And I mean, I, I guess, cause I'm not cal from California, but I used to, well, I used to live in Long Beach, so I know Catalina, yeah. but it, it just seems like you go to these really cool places. Like are, you were at the Beverly Hills, was it Beverly Hills Hotel? You were Beverly at Beverly Hills Hotel, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I mean, I. it's funny how it's sort of worked out that way, but like Catalina, growing up out here and having lived in Long Beach, you understand the idea, the allure of Catalina is that it's mm -hmm. just an island that you can see off the coast here. Yeah. And it kind of gives it this sort of mystery, right? Um, and if you, did you go there when you were living in Long yeah, Beach? Yeah, only once, only, one, only once, yeah. And it kind of gives you this weird perspective, right? When you get mm -hmm. there and you can turn it around and look back at Los Angeles and yeah. it's sort of like this weird, I don't know, perspective that you don't really get anywhere else. Um, so that intrigued me when I was writing Catalina, but also I was very poor writing Catalina. And I knew, <laughs> I know that I write, ten, I tend to write about dark topics, um, but I want them to take place somewhere that has, creates conflict. Uh, so I knew I wanted it to, to take place on an island. Um, and Catalina, I could afford to go to when I grew up out here. So I was like, perfect, nice. Catalina works. Um, Italy came about because I swore to myself if I ever got like a, an advance on a novel, I would set a book somewhere really, really amazing and I'd travel there. Uh -huh. um, but Italy just worked out. I actually tried Lisbon first. Um, I thought Oxford might work too. Um, and then I realized you can't really do sexy in cold weather climates very easily. <laughs> just not sultry <laughs> sexy, right? Like the no, body. No, you can't. I haven't thought of that. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like at first I thought it would take place during a blizzard um, in Oxford. And then I realized how difficult it is to take <laughs> off layers and make, you know what I mean? Like it's a little too on the nose also. So yeah. I, I thought um, I'd never been to Italy. So I went, I went there and I thought actually this really works with the ruins. And I mean, the death and sex is already built into the sure. country. Yeah. Um, it's just part of the lifestyle. So having an American who I feel like we, even if you're not from California, we, our culture exists without a whole lot of history weighing it down oh, right sure. yeah absolutely so it it's it's weird for us to go to italy countries like that and feel the weight of time right um so that worked perfectly uh the third book i always i love hotels and i wanted to take it to take place in like a luxury hotel someplace that i could never afford staying mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um and there's so many places like that in los angeles um, and they tend to be, um, I don't know if it's like this where you are, but in Los Angeles, um, no, buildings aren't really saved here. Like they tend to be raised and turned into something else. Mm -hmm. And that's just part of Los Angeles's culture. But hotels manage to stick around. So Beverly Hills Hotel, the Chateau Marmont, um, even in Catalina, I have her stay at the, I think the Miramont in the beginning. And that's been there since the 20s. It's just mm -hmm. changed names. Uh, so I've always wanted to have um, to write a book that just takes place in a hotel. Um, so I did stay there. Nice. I know it's a tough life. Um, <laughs> and, but, you know, when you make writing your life, you've got to make it fun for you, you know. Um, 
it's dark, it's dark topics that I'm dealing with, but you, you've got to set it somewhere that creates conflict, you know? Right, like right, right. No, that's so cool. I mean, and to speak about like, I, I thought the characters were, are likable. I mean, in, in oh, their own you. way. because I, I think so too. And that's a big pet peeve of mine was when people say you have to write someone that's likable. Because I, I was in a writer's workshop a while back and I honestly thought my protagonist was likable and they it kind of it got skewered like no he like i don't see anything redeeming about this guy and i'm like well he's a lot like me so i hope you <laughs> but i mean it's it can be complex it's like what you said they could make some really awful decisions and do some bad things but yeah that's not their entire identity but i think it, it there's it says something uh about the reader too i think and about yeah. what readers are searching for especially now when they're reading right um escape redemption of course because we're living in a time where we want to feel like you know humans deserve to still be here right like <laughs> we're not totally bad please you know the climate climate change the pandemic like we want to have to believe in something right and i think it's hard when we read characters that make us look at ourselves um and do a little digging you know yeah. um it's diff um, it's I, I i mean you see unlikable characters mostly that label is applied to women but oftentimes i mean bukowski's characters yeah it's just him and he's a terrible person yeah you know <laughs> you know but you don't hear anyone ever saying oh he's unlikable because you know it, it there's a part of humanity that's being expressed there and we can relate to it right mm -hmm. and yeah. that's really any unlikable character's job is that maybe they're doing things that you wouldn't do but you understand why right right uh, because we're all human and it's universal absolutely so i, I mean like i what are those what are those people called they're like um they're like beta readers but they read to like tell you what's offensive <laughs> Oh yes, sensitivity readers. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you I, I have mean, those? No, no. But I, I met oh. one. I met one, and they were, they were, they were not likable. <laughs> they were not a likable person. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I've never had a sensitivity a sensitivity reader read anything. I, I mean, it just seems like a bad uh, idea. I think I want to put because I'm working on something right now. Maybe, maybe I could put a character of a sensitivity reader in the book. I think that would be interesting and so i mean it is yeah it's interesting i i feel like sensitivity readers are there for if you're going to write outside of your scope right so sure. like i'm not i'm not a black woman so if right. i'm going to write a character i want it to feel real and earned so i would have a sensitivity reader most likely a black woman read that character and that makes um, sense. and that makes you know sense, that makes sense but to have somebody read it and tell me oh, gee, I find your character unlikable, despicable, and I don't understand why she would do any of these things. I'd be like, well, then don't buy the book. Like, right. it's not, exactly. You know? <laughs> um, I do think it's sad, though, that there are a lot, of, a lot of readers that I think they have expectations and they want, they want to see your character get redeemed, right? They want there mm -hmm. to be a moment where they, I don't know, everything comes together for them. Are there some something that happens that i don't know like the swelling of violins you know and then everything's fixed right um, but i really feel like if in both books catalina and the worst kind of want and most novels that i like you know reading play it as it lays you know any bukowski lolita yeah. when you get to the ending it feels earned and when you look back you're like oh yeah 
there was no other way except for this. This was going to be a car crash the entire time. It was just in slow yeah. motion. I was watching it, you know. Well, those are the kind of stories that stick with us, I think. I mean, I, re I read a lot. I mean, we all, we all, people I interview, we all read a lot. And um, we forget a lot, too. But the stuff that, like, sticks with me, at least for, for myself, are, are, are books like... Um, like your books. Then I was talking Aww. with Stephen last night about um, his book Boulevard and how, I mean, I don't want to spoil anything, but how that ended, I, I was just, did not see that coming. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is in a book. I mean, I loved it <laughs> and it it's going to stay with me, you know, but I get that because we were watching, um, there's a series on Netflix called Caliphate. It's from, is that out of Sweden? Um, oh yeah, yeah. It, it's really good. So me and my wife are watching it and it has a, it has a really, it has an ending that she was not happy with. <laughs> and I, I was like devastated, but I like, I love this story. It's so awful and amazing all in one. But yeah, that those are the things that stick, that stick in my mind. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like a good example is um, the show Fleabag, right? Like mm -hmm. the first season was excellent and very dark and was nowhere near as popular as the second season. Right. The second season was still had the humor and the biting sarcasm and it still tackled a lot of the same issues, but it had a love story and it felt, it felt lighter in a lot of ways. Right. Um, and it kind of gave the first season a little bit more to work with also. They kind of work together. Um, but yeah, I, I just feel like there's the endings of, endings are hard you know that's always oh, yeah. the toughest part i i just finished the first draft of the pink hotel and uh the ending once i got there it always feels like a mad like a push just like every day you're writing and you're writing and you're trying to pull those strings to the very end and then when you do get to the end you're like is that where i wanted things to fall like mm -hmm. or and and if i'm if i'm not where i wanted it to go that means somewhere along the way i i the thread went somewhere else, right? And I've got to go back and figure out where that was. And yeah, it's it's a, a lot of work. Yeah, in, in your work, so like, I mean, I guess every, every piece is, is different, but do you do you kind of have an ending in your mind or do you just, just go for you, it and, and it brings you there? Uh, they were each a little different. Catalina, I all, I, it was sort of a, I mean, I'm a huge Jean Reese fan and, um, her book, uh, Good Morning Midnight, I kind of wanted to do like a retelling of that, like a modernization. That was a huge inspiration for Catalina. So I always knew the ending was going to be more or less the snake bite against tail, um, which is how that book ends. And, but I fell in love with Elsa and I wanted her to have a different ending. So I kept trying, I must've tried like 20 different endings, like the type of endings where she just like rode off into the sunset, you know, cause I just wanted her to have I didn't want it to, Jane Reese's book came out a hundred years ago. So I wanted to believe that if a woman fucks up and has a lot of sex and, you know, makes wrong decisions in 2016, when the book came out, that doesn't mean necessarily everything falls apart. Right. But then eventually I realized, or maybe my editor was like, Lisa, <laughs> you, this is the only way it can be. And I was like, Oh, you're right. So right. I just, I did it. And then the second book, um, it kind of hit me as I was writing towards the end. I thought I wasn't a hundred percent sure how it was going to end. I knew specific things were going to happen without giving too much away. Um, but 
the last line in it um, had been the last line from the first draft. Like as soon as I wrote those, that very last um, scene, I thought, oh, well, that's what the whole book is about. And then that meant I had to go back and make that theme larger in the book because mm -hmm. that was always where that was going to end up. It just felt right. Um, the third book, it's hard because I mean, it was just the first draft. So mm -hmm. I feel confident about the ending, but I mean, my, I'm meeting with my editor next week. So maybe she'll be like, no, yeah. <laughs> mistakes were made. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know yet. I don't want to knock on wood. I don't want to sure. say whether or not I did it, I did it right. It is close to what I imagined. Oh, Maybe good. a little bit more insane. I will tell you that this is by far, part of it is that we're living in an insane time. So I think that really affected me while I was writing it. I wrote a huge portion of it during a pandemic while in shelter in place or safer at home or whatever Los Angeles was under. Um, but there is an orgy scene at the <laughs> Beverly Hills Hotel that's interrupted by a mountain lion. That does happen in the book. I'm sold. That's a, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> I remember I remember writing the scene and I was like, oh, so this is going to, and that's the middle of the book. Shit just gets crazier from there. I love it. Like, I love it. <laughs> when, when I, when I, I pitched the book, I pitched it as, um, do you know the book High Rise? No. Um, it was turned into a film too. Um, J, J, G Ballard or JD Ballard. Um, but it's High Rise meets Eloise is what I told her I wanted it to be. <laughs> you got to read yeah. that. I mean, yeah. That's... Yeah, right. She was like sold. I'll give you a two book deal based on that alone. <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible. That's great. Yeah. Well, yeah. Speaking of the pandemic, <laughs> I mean. Right. Uh, yeah. So how is that? I, I've been talking to a lot of writers about you know, some people are really thriving and they're like, oh, well, it's not much different from how I live my life anyways. And then some people are just, they've hit a wall and they cannot produce anything. I mean, it, I, the hardest thing is a routine, I, I think, right? So like when I was working on the first draft, it gave me structure. I, you know, Monday through Friday, I got up, I did whatever I would do in the morning, go on a walk, go swimming or something. And then I would sit down to write, right? And that was my day. And so I, like months went by. I don't even remember March through now. Like, and it was great because I was somewhere else. I was fully invested in my own world where I had control. And that's frankly, the best thing anyone can do during a pandemic is pretend that they have control over something, <laughs> right? Absolutely. So, <laughs> so that's what I was doing. Uh, once I turned the book in, which was about two weeks ago, I was like, well, what, what, what the fuck do I do now? Like, I, and I, I think I just kind of wandered the house for a while until my husband was like, just start something new. I don't care if it's an essay. I don't care if it's just like a reading club, just do something. You've, you have to give to your days to structure. Um, so luckily I've been working on the UCLA stuff, but also I started working on an essay too, just to pretend that I have a reason for living. <laughs> Is that the one with that with that amazing first line that you posted on on Facebook? I won't repeat it, but it, I think yeah, I, think, I okay. was I, I was pretty oh, drunk. <laughs> I was laughing so hard, and I yeah, said, I, I don't. Well, I, I'll give you the first line. The first give it, line is give goodbye. it to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I can verbatim. Goodbye, Chateau Marmont. You elusive cunt. I think it's the first. It's I beautiful. have a I have a huge history with the Chateau Marmont, but also like a non-history. And when I found out that they were turning it into a private members only hotel i think is what they're doing with it oh, i didn't I know that thought, i didn't know that yes that's that's the the sort of angle i'm taking with the essay okay. is like oh, 
because Los Angeles can be, it's quickly turning into a members only city, more or less. Um, And I was born and raised here. Exactly. You know, and I kind of feel like anyone that was born here automatically gets to walk into the Chateau Marmont at any time they want, if they want to, and be like, give me a table. That should just be a rule. I don't (laughs) want a table, but you don't get to tell me I don't get to come here, you know? So, um, yeah, I I started writing that the other day. It's turned into a a long just diatribe where at the end of the day, I have a couple of drinks, like a Valium, and I start writing. I love it. I love it. My anger. That was the best first line I've seen in a long time. (laughs) Thank you. I was so mad when I started writing because I was like, well, also, I think David Ulan was like, do you have any essays uh, for a journal that he's starting at USC? And I was like, what am I feeling? He asked, what are you, what are you writing on? What are your thoughts about? And I was like, this is my first thought came out. Perfect. (laughs) We'll just go with this. (laughs) I'm so angry because I I go to to LA at least like twice a year and I've driven by that a million times and I'm always like, I'm gonna gonna go there with someone who's from here because I just, you know, and maybe I won't have my shot. (laughs) You might not get your shot. I mean, I when I, I was, um, I tried to email them. So the Beverly Hills Hotel is, has been here for, I think, even longer than them. Um, and when I reached out to them to see if I could stay there and told them that I was writing a novel and stuff, they have like a whole PR section of the hotel that, you know, they work with you on a, on a price which for a room, which is still ridiculously expensive. Um, I mean, like absurd. I, I think the bungalows are $20,000 a night. Oh my God. $20,000 a night. And they're always booked. So there's people out there that can afford staying in that hotel. It's just not us. Um, but so they worked with me. The moment I reached out, I reached out to the Chateau Marmont, they were like, sorry, not, not for us. Not and for I was us. like, excuse me? <laughs> oh. But, I, but I, I have a credit card. I just wanted to come and do some research. But okay, cool. Wow. Yeah, a little, out of, little out of my skill. I usually stay at a Ramada in a, in a Burbank, so. <laughs> Which could be its own book in itself. <laughs> I was just going to say, that's its own novel. That could also be, maybe that's my fourth novel. I've yeah. always wanted to write a novel that takes place in the Valley. I love it. I love Burbank, actually. <laughs> oh, me too. I mean, I, I grew, we hopped around as a kid, so I mean, I've lived everywhere from Brentwood to West Hills to downtown Crenshaw and now I'm in Pasadena so I mean I've just vortexed around here the thing that makes me so angry about the Chateau Marmont is that my um my grandmother grew up in the house behind it um and so when she died her way because she used to go there all the time that was like her kind of her second home um if like her parents used to go out to parties and stuff and if no one was home to let her in after school, she would know to go to the Chateau Marmont and they all knew her by name. She was like eight and they'd give her a table and just feed her until their, her parents showed up. It was a different time. It was like the oh 50s or 60s right. or something. Um, probably the 50s. Uh, and her wake was held there um, wow. when I was probably like nine or something. And that was the first time I've been there. And then the second time I went maybe a few years ago to write an essay and that's it. I've been there twice, but I just feel like, how dare you? My grandmother's wake was there and you're going to tell me I can never come back. I don't even want to go, but now I'm mad. You know? Have you seen, yeah, you should be mad. Have you seen that movie? uh, I think it's called Somewhere. Um, Sophia Coppola. Mm. So it's it's shot. Oh yes. Yeah. All shot there. I'm sure they're going to be members. 
I'm sure yeah. the oh, yeah. are members. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, of course. But I just, yeah. that was, that was kind of like my insight to see inside what it looked like, you know, cause I'd never have been in, but. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a little di- disappointing actually. That's uh, what I was thinking. It's a little, right? it's a little worn down. Um, but it's got its ghosts, you know, it feels like it, the hard thing about growing up in Southern California too, is that we have Disneyland. Um, so if you went there a lot as a child or even a few times, it kind of, everything began, starts to feel fake. I also grew up in an industry household. So I've been to a lot of sets and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. walking into a place like the Chateau Marmont, you're like, this isn't a real hotel. This is a <laughs> setting for a hotel, right? Like it just feels that way. Everything's small because it was built in like the twenties or thirties like that. Mm-hmm. So the, the elevators can fit maybe two people. You oh, know? wow. Yeah. The hallways are, are really narrow. Well, after after this new book, you'll you'll be a member. I'm 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 sure, and we'll, we'll all go. No, they can't have me. No, hell no, no way. I mean, we'll see if the Beverly Hills Hotel doesn't sue me. I mean, they were so nice when I went and stayed there, and um, I'm a huge proponent for. My editor jokingly calls it um method writing, um, which is where you just, you know you go to the places that the book's taking place and you really delve into the characters and their emotional states and stuff like that. Um, so I, I've had an idea of what the Beverly Hills Hotel was going to be like. And I had an idea of what the kind of wealth is like what, that goes there, but going to stay gave me a completely different perspective on the types of people who work in a hotel like that. It is their career and they're very, very proud of it. Uh, they do not view it as being a servant, despite that is exactly what they are. Um, and so much so that their owner is a, an actual sultan, you know, like I, I right, the, yeah. the, the staff gave me a tour um, of like the back of house and they were so proud to show me their kitchen that has like a, um, a snow cone machine, just a free snow cone machine. Mm-hmm. And they were like, you know, also we get great health benefits. We only have a small copay. And I was like, shouldn't we want more from a Sultan? You know, like, but also I get it. This is America and that, that's capitalism. This sure. right, in a nutshell, like, thank you for the snow cone and, 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 the, and the medium copay that I have, you know, when I need to go to the doctor. That's just the way, you know. Yeah. No, that's it. I, I always love talking to people who grew up there because it is, you know, I don't live, I live, I'm in Salt Lake. So it's a, it's a 10 hour drive. I used to drive down a lot and then a flight is you're there really fast. So, um, yeah. I, I'm fairly familiar with it, but it's always had this allure that I, I feel like the people that I, you know, have grown up there just, they can love it, but it, you know, they, they don't well, feel I think that. There's, yeah. There's two sides to it. I mean, there's the Los Angeles you grow up in, but also, Los Angeles is also kind of a state of mind, as is California. It exists in all of our consciousness, right? Like it's just, it takes up space more than other states do, right? Totally, yeah. You know, so like it's hard to live in a place that also has its own, you know, stardom, you know, Mm -hmm. that affects you. Because, you know, as much as it it is um, sort of sounds like it could be a fake made up thing it is los angeles right like right. weird things happen here like we, we are, my husband and i had our anniversary yesterday 
and we went out to Malibu and we were just walking through Point Doom or something and we ran into somebody uh, a friend of a friend who was like oh why don't you come back to our house and have drinks and I was like sure their house was a beautiful mansion on the side of Point Doom <laughs> And we stayed there until sunset looking at her grandparents' art collection. And at one point I was like, this wow. could only happen here. Yeah, you know? like, yeah totally. <laughs> oh, wow. But, but also that builds on the myth of Los Angeles and California. Like we all knew this is, this is very LA for this to be happening right now. Yeah, for us to yeah. be drinking just gin, just, just gin on the rocks and watching dolphins, you know? Oh, that's incredible. That was, yeah, that's a, that's, it was just that, a random thing. That's a great anniversary. That way to go. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I thought so. It was unplanned, but it was that's, great. <laughs> that's, those are the best. That's the best. Yeah. <laughs> I think what, like, I love LA because I feel like, like I'm in a, a scene from Swingers. Like a couple of years ago, me and Tony were at a, a screening and this, uh, this 20 something girl comes up to us and she looks at me. She's like, like, looked at me like, like she recognized me. And she said, what do you, what do you do? And I, I'm like, I'm a, I'm a high school teacher. And it was over. She just looked over at Tony. Oh, what do you do? <laughs> and I was like, this is swingers. I didn't feel too bad. It was, it was funny. <laughs> but that's, is, that's a classic Los Angeles story. What do you, I mean, what do you do? Just, what do you do? Yeah. Are, you should have lied. I should have. I know. I, didn't, I wasn't I quick actually, enough on my feet. Just, just like play it up. I sculpt young minds. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. <laughs> Oh, that's that could mean anything, you know? Yeah, totally. <laughs> I could say that. I sculpt young minds. Well, yeah, you do. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, my, I have a few nieces and they're all under the age of 10 and they know I'm a writer. I'm, they're just, now that they're learning how to read, they're like, well, when can I read Aunt Lily's books? And their parents are like, not nope. now. Maybe in like a couple decades, but not right now. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> That's cool. They're interested though, that they... Oh yeah. They just, I, I think one of them asked me the last time we talked, she just said, um, are you famous? And I said, what do you mean famous? And she said like, um, oh, I can't remember. It was some like Taylor Swift or someone like that. And I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not like that. No writers. I don't know any writer that's like that. Maybe like Toni Morrison or someone huge, but like, I don't know. Are, do writers ever become? But even even when they're famous, like people don't recognize them on the street. You know, they can kind of for the That's most. That's true. Unless you're Stephen King, um, you know. I don't know it, if I, I would recognize him. I've I don't never think been I would. I don't think I would. I go. Um, we go up to Maine. My my wife's from Vermont, so we go up to Maine every year or two. And I, and I was like, I want to go up to and see his house because he. I don't know if you've heard about what his house looks like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard yeah. Of so I've been meaning to. So one of these days, but. Um, I mean, he's got to be getting, he's getting up there. So I don't think I would probably recognize him if I saw him. Or his son too. I don't know if I would recognize him. That's the other thing is that we only know the authors based off more or less their, their author photos. Right. And those right. can be very misleading. 20 years you old. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, unless you're very much following like their festival circuit or whatever yeah. it is that they're. Maybe I, I don't know if I even, if I would even recognize JK Rowling on the street. I wouldn't, I'd not, I wouldn't be able to. Yeah, I don't think so. You know, it's just not the same. Yeah. But it is funny that there is sort of the same, I don't know, I guess like 
like vibe around being a like an author, a published writer. Like people who aren't in the industry are just like, oh, well, then it just must be champagne all the time. And I'm like, <laughs> no, I have to have another job. <laughs> it's not <Yeah>. like that. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I was going to ask you. Oh, yeah. So uh, with with Catalina, I. I could see that as a movie. And then with the, the worst kind of want, want, I was thinking that would be an amazing series. I mean, have you, I'm sure you yeah. probably have entertained the idea of, of um, you know, selling the rights. Yeah. And just, yeah. what, what are, I mean, what Catalina, never, yeah, I would love to see them both in, on, this, on the screen, um, especially because there's so many streaming services now that are doing yeah. so much stuff. Catalina, I don't think it was, there was a lot of talk going back and forth, but I think what finally torpedoed that was that she was un, considered unlikable, which, you know, again, that's why I was like, yeah. hold my beer, you know, I'll, right. I'll show you unlikable. Let me see what happens <laughs> if I take a 42 year old woman and have her seduce a 17 year old, or maybe he seduces her. I don't, I still not sure what happened yeah. there, but um, that actually the worst kind of want is in development. Um, oh, great. For, for a film. Yeah. With, that's exciting. Um, and, yeah. So that's, that's very cool. And, you know, they're, of course, they're hopeful with this third book. Um, but we'll see. I mean, it, every, it, that's the dream, right? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, it's the dream. And then I, uh, talking to Stephen about the, um, have you, have you seen his uh, anthology, the Hollywood versus the author? That's, yes. Yeah. That's I have oh yeah. So like, there's some amazing stories and then there's some downright terrifying <laughs> things in there. I know. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, I, and I have a great film agent and I rely on her just, you know, like just her, like her genius, basically. I don't know anything about that. I grew up in a post-production family, so uh -huh. I have no idea what it takes to get something into development and then out of development. I just know from a post-production standpoint that it's a, it's a dream. And if it happens, great, but most likely it's not going to. Yeah. <laughs> so I've never I've never written a book thinking, oh well this will definitely turn into a show because you know, I've been living in Los Angeles long enough to know the chances of that happening are so slim right. that you just have to enjoy writing the actual book yourself, right? It plays yeah. as a film in my own head when I'm writing it. So that's Yeah. It. I mean it's icing on the cake, right? So if that if that yes. happens great, yeah. Well yeah. that's and that's... but Tony's been lucky too. Tony and Steven both were Oh lucky. yeah. Both, yeah. Yeah, yeah Tony's out. book. Tony's book got made into a into a film. Yeah, that's um. Yeah, to where he was even a, a part of it. Not that doesn't happen for a whole lot of writers. Right, you know? right. Yeah, he wrote the screenplay and he was he, he was on set and. Yeah, the, yeah, they asked me if I wanted to do the screenplay for the worst kind of want, and I was like, "Well, didn't I do that? Isn't that what the the book is?" <laughs> Do I, you want me to write it a second time? No, just, I don't. I don't want to do that. <laughs> just plug it in the final draft, right? Like just like yeah. <laughs> copy and yeah, paste. take <laughs> take out the descriptions. You know, like I that's fine. <laughs> yeah, well, that's exciting because I was like, as I was, re I mean, you know, I love especially like a series when if a good series, but I, I mean, a good film is is incredible too. But I was reading both of your books. I was like, these I would want to see these 
on some kind of screen. So that's, oh, that's me amazing. Too. Yeah, I, would, so cool. I would love that. Wait until the third book. I mean, I, I hope, knock on wood. I'm I had a, so much fun writing it. Yeah, I'm it. excited. I, I love hotels too. So I, I, I love them. Really I miss excited. them. With the yeah. pandemic, I miss them. I miss being able to drink in them and yeah. watching people and stuff. Not even yeah. so much stay in them, just a hotel bar, I feel like is just rife with possibilities. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. It's, gr yeah. it's great. It's yeah. the perfect place to set anything a, a movie, a, a TV show, a novel. I mean, Salty Towers, right? Like, yeah. That's, yeah. That's I just... love that show. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. And I'm all about like, um, you've probably noticed from both books, getting characters into a, a space, a confined space with nowhere to go. Yeah. So a sailboat, right? Uh, Masseria and Puglia, where you have two families staying together. Um, and then in this one, a hotel. I mean, a hotel during a, the fire season. So that's the premise of that book is you have massive, it's weird. I, I The premise of that book was that there was going to be massive fires um, that, that triggered um, riots because the poor areas were being burned down and the rich areas weren't because that happens here. Yeah. And then we have been having so much strife um, politically and culturally and civically that I was like, am I, am I a witch? Did I? Did I <laughs> <laughs> so the joke in our house is it, can I just write a book where I like everything's peaceful and I'm, make money and <laughs> we're, we're all happy and there's no, no one will read that book no one will read that it's so boring <laughs> i know i know i know uh but it is funny i mean because i wrote a scene where i never thought this would happen i i said that the national guard had uh taken over um rodeo drive um oh. and the beverly center and then that happened oh and my I god like, I, and that it, i mean it was both funny, but also frustrating. Cause I was like, well, now I have to make it crazier and I don't know where to go from here. Right. Like, oh, wow. <laughs> I already thought this was, you know, funny and weird and I was pushing it a certain way and, you know, then it actually happened and I was there for those protests. So it was yeah. like, well, now this is a real thing too. It's not something to make fun of or make light of and right. that changes the whole book. So it's, it's going to be an interesting one. Yeah, for sure. Um, when do you have any idea? I know you just finished the first draft. Is there any um, timeline when we could maybe expect the book or? Is that yeah, um, they want to do, I think spring, uh, what are we in 2022? Spring 2022, Okay. I think. Cause I think uh, the publishing world has decided this year is a bust. Let's take a, <laughs> let's stop for a bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think everybody knows 2021 is up in the air. Right. Yeah. So um, originally they wanted to do fall of that year. Um, but then they pushed it back to winter and now we're discussing winter spring possibilities. Um, I would love to have a spring book just because I'm a spring baby and I mm -hmm. want a spring baby of my own. I yeah. That would be nice, <laughs> <you know? laughs> well, that's great. Um, okay. I think that's, I think that, I think we're good. I mean, anything else you want to, I mean, I love your, I love your work and I want as many people to read your stuff. I, I kind of, kind of force your book on people. Whenever oh, thank you. So I'm always like, you got to oh, Yeah. You gotta actually, it, the reason why, well, I'm having a drink because it's just Thursday or whatever, yeah. someday during the pandemic, but it's yeah. also because the book, The Worst Kind of Want came out in the UK today. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. That's it, so cool. Uh, very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So it has cool. a different cover and all, you know. It's, oh, neat. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's interesting to watch a book travel around the world and see how other cultures have to reskin it 
and you know give it to their population right, right it's like well right. do we give you know like here it's they they sort of did it from the angle of like a um thriller suspicious suspense um psychological in england they were like um more like uh i don't want to say ya but they tried to like make it younger and mm. i was like nope that's okay but if that's what you're if that's how you know you think people your buy population's it, right? going to yeah, yeah. you know yeah so it's interesting to see that happen as it travels so. so that's great. Yeah. Congratulations. Well, it sounds thank like you, you, yeah, you got a lot of good things in the pipeline. I mean, this, oh, is, thank this, you. this is a, this is a rough time for, for all of us. So that's, it's nice to hear some positive things coming, coming your way. I hope so. I mean, knock on wood, now that we've yeah. talked about it, who yeah. knows? I mean, every, every day is different, you know, like who knows what's happening tomorrow. Gosh. Yeah. <laughs> But I do appreciate you having me on your show. Thank Absolutely. You. Thanks for taking the time. So, and congratulations um, on your podcast, too. Yeah, I figured why not. You know, I've been wanting to do it for at least a year. And then I'm like, you know what, everyone, we're all doing interviews online anyway, so might as well just go for it. And, yeah, absolutely. You know? So, yeah, thank so, you so much. And I love your bookcase behind you. Who oh, thanks. Sculpture? Who is it's, that sculpture? It's Elvis. Elvis. Is it Elvis? <laughs> <laughs> Let me grab it. Hold on. You got to see it. Okay, okay. <laughs> Oh, that's serious. That's not like a, yeah, it's a serious sculpture. I'm not. Oh, wow. I'm not even an Elvis. I like Elvis fine, but I, I got this actually at an antique shop in Long Beach. So yeah. And I've kept oh, it this wow. whole time. What so. does it say on the base? Does it just um, say Elvis? Presley? Right here. Yeah. So yeah. it just says Elvis Presley and it has the dates, his dates. And then, and then right here it's carved in Elvis. So. What is the story there? Like, did somebody just need that? They wanted I don't know. that or? I don't know. I love, so it's that's a, a very specific era of Elvis too. Yeah. He's young, you yeah. know? It was only eight bucks too. So what a steal. Oh, steal. Absolute <laughs> steal. Yeah. But Look I've, at I've, that fox. I've tried, brought it everywhere I've moved. You know, I lived in Boston for a while. So it came with me there. And then, you know, oh, back back Boston. home in Salt Lake now. So here I am with, with Elvis. But yeah, he's, he comes with me wherever I go. <laughs> Good. I like that. He watches over you. He does. He does. <laughs> <laughs> Well, great. Okay. Well, thank you so much. And then um, I will uh, probably the end of September, early October, and I'll send you, okay. I'll, I'll send you a link um, in the next week or two. Okay. And if there's anything you're like, I'll take that out. I don't want, I don't want to, you know, I don't want that. If anymore. I sound drunk or ridiculous. You don't, you don't. Then just, then cut it. <laughs> no, you sound, you sound great. So you're good. You're good. Perfect. And <laughs> I trust you. Yeah. Okay. I trust you. Cool. Well, thank you for your support. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Can't wait for the new stuff. So I'm really ah, I'll make sure you're on, you're on the list to get the ARC. So yes, thank you. When, okay. it's, when it's ready, you'll be on the, on the first round of. Very games. excited. Yeah. Yeah. Excited for that for sure. So. All right. Okay. Thank care. you. Yeah. You Talk too. You See ya. Bye. All right.